So you said it, that question at the end of the call to worship. Let us think. It says quietly and peacefully, but we're going to do it quietly and peacefully in our pairing and sharing time today. About what voices of true life change and forgiveness are speaking in our world now? And then down below, as we consider these voices, I kind of rephrased in a couple other ways that you could think about this question. The voices in our world that call out to us today toward peace and bring us some wisdom. What are some of those voices that you can identify? And what are some of the voices in your life, either past or present? Because even if they're in the past, they're still voices that still speak to you and feed you. Either past or present that have called to you with peace and with wisdom. So I invite you to uh, find someone to pair with for a few minutes um, and have some conversation on this. And then what I'm also going to invite you to do uh, is after a few minutes of conversation, you can do it at your, your own timing if you want, or I'll call you to do it as we get near pairing and sharing time. I invite you to come up with whoever you're paired with and uh, put an ornament or two on, on the tree. Okay? So... Find a partner today and have a little conversation and help decorate our Christmas tree. Thanks to all of you for not only the pairing and sharing time, but for uh, helping get our tree decorated. Feel free when worship is over to come and put some more ornaments on the tree and, and try to get it all filled up. Um, but as we consider these voices, these voices that call us to peace, these voices of transformation, I was thinking that maybe it's time to take a little bit of a step back from Christianity for a few minutes. A religion organized in many different ways over two millennia. And it's fractured into different messages about Jesus and who Jesus was and is in our lives. Um, sometimes it seems like Jesus is being reinvented all of the time in many different ways. Um, let my Jesus debate your Jesus. You ever been in one of those conversations? So maybe it's time to tell and retell all the originating stories without debate um, and see how they can become a deeper just part of our bones. You know how the story just becomes part of you? You almost don't have to, you don't, don't have to read it anymore or even hear it told. It's just being told within you after you become so familiar with it. Um, that just popped into my head that when one of the favorite books that I read to my, my kids uh, when they were young was uh, Bread and Jam for Francis. I don't know if you've ever read that little kid's book. Um, it's a wonderful little story. And uh, so I had to read it to Addie when I was down in Texas because it's one of the stories that's kind of in my bones, right? But I held the book in front of her, but I could have told her the story without holding the book in front, you know? These, this is the kind of way 
Um, if we can go back to some of the originating stories, and Luke is, is filled with them uh, in the beginning of his gospel about um, Jesus' uh, time of birth and the things that came after that. Um, I think sometimes without doing that, we've lost Jesus and we'll never find Jesus again. Um, so I think we got, in a sense, you know, you, you're going to be uh, packing up and wrapping presents for Christmas. I think it's time to unpack Jesus again um, and unravel from all the assumptions uh, that we've made and, and see if we can hear and enter into these stories in a brand new way. Um, maybe a little less influenced by some of the voices um, that are debating Jesus all over our streets and our world. Um, so I do commend you to this beginning of Luke's Gospel. Um, these first uh, two and a half chapters uh, are really good, and we took two, two passages from that today. Do you know these stories? As you heard the two that Mike read today, were these ones that you felt you could have almost told without reading them? If so, I think that that's a good thing. Um, do you remember the details uh, in these stories? Um, I noticed one in the Zechariah um, passage today where Zechariah is, is speaking and proclaiming here um, in a little prophecy. Um, so uh, I went back and read some other parts of Luke leading up to that, and you know, Zechariah. John the Baptist's father. He was a priest in the temple and uh, he had gotten a vision and uh, he was skeptical about it and so he went mute. Um, this is, his speaking is the first time after that that he went mute. And when John is born, um, they want to name him Zechariah and uh, his mother knows that it's supposed to be named John because obviously they had a good relationship and they somehow communicated but they hand a tablet to Zechariah so he can write down what the name will be and he writes John. Well, back then, if you could read and write, you were part of the privileged part of society. You weren't down and out, right? And I suppose as a priest in the temple he was, but I never really reflected on that detail that this kind of powerful man, John the Baptist's father, was kind of taken down in his mute state during that time. So that was one of the details that I was noticing as I was going and reviewing uh, Luke's Gospel today. Um, so I do invite you to spend that time with the stories and see, just get comfortable with them and don't try to think too far ahead about what they all mean. Just let them live with you um, and go from there. So wonderful stories. We talk, we hear about Zechariah, Elizabeth, John, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, God, and angels, the angel Gabriel comes into play. Um, and then, at the very end of the, um, the Zechariah uh, proclamation here today, um, he says, By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
it seems like that's so much of what hopeful, the hope of the Christmas season is about. And with the tender mercy of God, that a dawn from on high will break upon us and will give us light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet on the way to peace. Such a wonderful sentiment and something we can just take and almost repeat to ourselves every day and hope for. Um, So, then, in the other Luke reading from the third chapter that Mike read, we hear about John the Baptist and he's, he's... you know that you, we we know that image of him shouting out there in the wilderness for all the regions. But what's interesting about that is the context of it. Isn't it interesting that Luke begins that passage by talking about in the fifteenth year of the reign of Empress Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea and Herod was the ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Ituria and Trac. I could never say these names either. Trachonitis and Licentius, the ruler of Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, and the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Now, we often think about religion as a uh, private sort of thing, right? But Luke is setting this whole thing up in a very public way in the full context of all the people who have power in this region of of their world that they live in. And John is going to be shouting in the wilderness. He's going to be speaking. It's not a wilderness like a physical wilderness. It's the wilderness and the chaos of the world and of the powers that be and a call to a different way of relating and a different understanding of power. So right from the very beginning, as we delve into the Christmas story, the context for it, the warm-up act that John the Baptist is for Jesus, is this one Jesus is going to come, and this one is going to have a counter-message to what the powers of the world have. Those who are seeking power over people And Jesus is seeking power with people. So right from the very beginning, we're going to be made uncomfortable because if you just want a Jesus to come along who um, is going to help you feel better about your life and help you understand how you should live a nice personal moral life and not worry about the whole context of the powers of the region, whether it's Washington State or the Pacific Northwest or the United States or the world or whatever... If you want that kind of Jesus, but it's getting announced right here at the very beginning. The one crying in the wilderness, the one paving the way for Jesus, is already telling us through Luke, it ain't going to be that way. This is going to be a counter message to the message that you're used to in the world, and this Jesus is going to confront it, um, for sure. So I found that part... um, an interesting thing to contemplate. So to think about, as we approach Christmas, to think about what your image of Jesus is. And is your image of Jesus and the one that John the Baptist is paving the way for? What, what is, does that fit? What Luke is talking about in these stories? And if not, unpack it a little bit. Time to open up and maybe 
consider another way. We hear from John the Baptist that the valleys will be filled, the mountains will be brought low, the crooked will be made straight. It's going to be hard to make the crooked straight by just having a personal spirituality, isn't it? It's going to take something more than that. The rough is going to be made smooth. And all people will see the salvation of God. The way to make it all come together. The way for it all to happen. There's so much to explore in the coming of this Jesus. But I do think after two millennia of Christianity and all these debating Jesuses out there, then it's time to let go of all of that and take a fresh look, beginning with these stories of Luke, and just know the stories and see how the stories then interact with your experience of life and what you think you know, what you think you understand, what you desire, what you need, where the darkness is and how the light can come in. I think John prepares the way very well for Jesus, leading us toward the ways of peace and teaching me to recognize voices of transformation. I hope you recognize some of those voices as you had your conversations today. Um, those voices that call us out of the chaos, the wilderness, whatever words you want to use, the imbalances, the craziness of this world, and call us out of that into a transformation, to recognize where the darkness is, and to see where the hope of light is coming. And to build communities, to build, like we try to build here, and to build from our communities, to build partnerships, so that we together can be voices of transformation where it is we live here and other places. So, I invite you to enter deeply into these stories in this Advent Christmas time and become aware. Let go of any assumptions you have you read. Sometimes, you know, I'm reading something real familiar and I say, Okay, I know where this goes, and my eyes kind of skip through the story. Don't do that. Try to take it in like you're hearing it for the first time. Um, but you know, here's the thing. If we want to continue on, we're at the second Sunday of Advent, we want to continue on to Christmas, and we want to let these stories live in our bones. We want to consider the transformation that is possible for us and for the world. There is no way around it. It's going to take a lot of time. We're going to have to commit time to doing this. We're going to have to focus on building uh, more and deeper relationships. We're going to have to focus on what it truly means to build a community um, and, and to have uh, you know, all the processes of community, of respecting each other and reconciling with each other and all the different sorts of things we could talk about on a different day. We're going to need to focus on those things. Um, and, you know, I don't like saying this one, but 
whatever it is, the, the comforts in our life, following Jesus is going to call us out of those comforts, at least sometimes, um, to, to walking some new territory and going in some new directions. The other thing is that this following of Jesus is going to require is it's going to put us at odds with some part of the establishment of our culture, sometimes within our families, within our community, within our wider culture. It's going to have some counter-messages to that. Um, and that's always an uncomfortable sort of thing. Um, and sometimes, not always, but sometimes, depending on where this leads following Jesus, it's going to put our very reputation on the line what people expect of us and think we should be doing. Um, so we have a choice on the second Sunday of Advent. Do you really want to continue to deepen your commitment to being a follower of Jesus? And to put the voices of transformation, maybe be one of those voices, but also name the voices that you know, those voices of transformation, the ones that bring light into darkness, the ones that bring a call out that we should have power with instead of power over. Um, are you ready to go down that road and to be part of that process? The world clearly is in chaos. We are in a wilderness time, the kind of time that John went out into the whole region where we heard all the namings of all the powers that were controlling everything. And we're going out into those kind of regions today. What role do we want to take in that? What kind of follower of Jesus do I want to be? Do you want to be? Do we want to be as a church together? Are you going to be ready for the third Sunday of Advent to light another candle, another step in the commitment to saying yes? I want to unpack it all. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I don't want to be debating my Jesus with your Jesus. I want to learn how to bring light into darkness. I want to learn how to be a voice of transformation. I want to learn how to, to affirm those who are those voices. Are we ready for that? That is the call of the Advent time to invite us to take the next step to greet the baby in the manger. It's a little more dangerous than it looks in the manger if we follow it. Amen.